Join us as we gather around the hedge, where we dig into technology, business, and culture with the finest minds in computer networking. Well, hello, Tom. The globe is back in its regular place, and I'm happy. Now, I do want to see that plant again, though, because that's sad. <laughs> Here's the sad, the sad plant. plant. You can't see it, but that plant is the saddest plant I think I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> Yvonne needs to go to Tom's house and fix that plant. <laughs> uh, Teach me how to keep something alive. I keep plants that require very little watering and that are quite sturdy. <laughs> I could send you a list if you need one, Tom. But yeah, okay. like if, especially if it can be like really over water or if you go a week without watering and then it gets all sad. Yeah. It's not for me. <laughs> and obviously Yvonne is joining us today with her Christmas tree and her yellow flowers. Hello. Today we have Brian Keese talking to us about burnout. And it's a real thing in our world. I don't know. I feel like I'm always on the edge. What about you, Tom? I maybe I'm just not self-aware enough, but I I don't I don't feel like I am. <laughs> That's what's wrong with your plant. You're not self-aware. Enough. I'm sending all my burnout into the plant. Do you have sunlight in that room? <laughs> yes, I do. <laughs> I don't know what's up with that. So, Brian, talk to us about burnout. I mean, you went through this experience recently, and you and you said you were willing to talk about it. So, you know, kind of expand a little bit. What, what were you experiencing? What was going on there? Um, and, and like, what do you think happened and whatever? I guess, um, first off, I was in southern Afghanistan for about 15 months working on uh, various U.S. military bases in their uh, local network operations center. They've got one primary one for the whole country, and then they've got small ones on each base and I was on the local ones. And so, and so let me start right there for one second. When I was in TAC, people used to say, how is it you deal with the stress of TAC? What, what got you to that point where you could deal with the stress? And, and testing people's ability to, to deal with stress, by the way, was one of the TAC interviewing techniques that I learned. And I always said, well, I used to work on ILS systems, which I don't know if you know what an ILS system is, but it's the way airplanes land on airports. And if you want real stress, have an airplane flying around in circles while you're trying to fix the localizer so they can land. And there's like 150 people on that airplane and they're running out of gas as they fly around in circles. So when you have 150 people counting on your hands and your ability to fix a piece of equipment, that's a different order of stress than working on, you know, a corporate network. It just is. And so I think that's part of what you're talking about here in this experience is that you were dealing with live fire. You were dealing with people whose lives were basically on the line if your network went down. So the stress is, is taken to a different level in that situation, it would seem to me. Yeah, that was one part of it. There was the, sometimes we got a heads up. Uh, they're going on an mission outside of the base, outside the wire. No changes, don't do anything. It's working, don't touch it. And sometimes we got a heads up because if we needed to do iOS upgrades or other major changes that could cause downtime, we asked for a window and sometimes it was the middle of the night, sometimes it was early in the morning, sometimes it was right after breakfast. We really didn't dictate when 
to the military, they said it was a good time. I was a civilian contractor. So they told us when to jump. <laughs> well, I have to imagine the other challenge of, of that particular circumstance, you're away from home, you're away from uh, typical activities and behaviors that you can use to de-stress, oh, yeah. whether it's, um, you know, going to the movies or just hanging out with your family or, or and, and of course, we've all dealt with this to a degree with COVID that our regular mechanisms for reducing stress are um, all uh, out of sorts, I guess. I know, of course, in those military bases, I've talked to several folks who've been over there and uh, working out's a big thing just just because it is a available tool to reduce stress. But I think part of what contributes to burnout is this consistent, regular stress with no release valve, right? You just keep pushing and pushing and pushing and, and you don't have any mechanism to just chill for a bit. At least for me personally, those are the times that I've struggled with burnout. Um, did, was, was that part of your experience? That was definitely part of it. I guess there are several questions to answer in there. First off, they canceled vacations because of COVID. March, April, somewhere around there, the company that I worked for basically said, if you want to go home, you're going to have to resign to go home because um, getting in and out of the area is not easy under normal circumstances, but with all the international airports closed, it makes it even more difficult. So yeah, even on my hours or day off, sometimes I had, I worked six days a week. Most of the time I worked seven. When that happened, the living conditions were not great. So that, so that's another piece of it is being cut out of your normal activities, right? Like you said, Yvonne, that's really important to have the normal everyday things that you do to be able to relieve that stress. We don't realize a lot of times how important family time is. Um, and how much time, it, you know, you have to have time with friends and stuff in our, in our little world. Yeah. I feel like that's something that's, that's helped me, uh, to balance my family has been a great, um, you know, plus I live a pretty easy life in the U S and the middle class and stuff, but like, it's really, um, my family gives me something else that's, uh, that's more important than work. And, I uh, you know, I just sort of naturally leave work behind, um, as the natural flow of my life, I don't have to think about it. I don't have to make plans for balancing myself because it's sort of self-correcting, um, you know, just in my lifestyle. Well, and one of the things that I've noticed is that a lot of times when people are struggling with something, instead of um, medicating with drugs or alcohol or those unsafe things, they medicate with work. They, they, they fill all their time with work. And they shove all the life stuff to the side and justify it with, hey, I'm working. That's good. I'm either providing for my family or I'm getting ahead in my career. And, and so instead of taking a step back, dealing with all the stuff that needs to be dealt with, they work and work and work and work and work. And, and like there's no free lunch. Like eventually that comes home to roost and it can come home to roost as burnout or depression or any number of other things. And so I think it's really important for us to have like safety valves or people who, it depends on our tendencies, right? There are some people like Tom was saying, he's like, I've got, this is kind of a natural flow of my life. I've got this built in, you know, and, and in certain phases of life we do, but in other times, like sometimes we need somebody who we will listen to and actively choose to listen to. He's like, okay, look, I see you're about ready to go off the deep end. 
you need to take a step back. And I think for some of us, that's harder than others, just because we're driven, because we want to do things, because we enjoy accomplishment. And, and that none of those things are bad. But man, it's hard sometimes to find that balance, especially when everything's in turmoil, when everything's changing, right? That's really, really hard. Yeah, I think the, the, yeah. the rate of change in our, in our chosen field is already fairly chaotic. And then when you add other things in, other environmental factors like, you know, current, current happenings, um, you know, it's kind of, I could see how that could push things over the edge for, for a lot of folks. So do you think rate of change, Brian, was part of it for you? Um, I'm not really sure, but one way that I I recognized it was in February, a few days before all the COVID stuff went happened, my Cisco certs were about to expire and my job oh. was linked to the Cisco cert. So Oh my goodness. Yeah. That's so I had to fun. renew them while I was over there and they instituted this new program where you could do continuing education credits and not have to go take a test. So that was a lot better. But um, in, I don't know, September, October, so a month or two ago, when they started to say, okay, the U.S. troops are starting to really pull out of Afghanistan. We don't need as many of the contractors. We're going to start cutting people. When I start and I guess to backtrack a little bit, when I was back in back in February trying to renew those certs, I was driving myself crazy. I was so worried I was going to get, I was going to lose my job. I needed so many continuing education credits. I almost made myself sick. I was trying to renew those certs. But when it came time to cutting people five or six months later, I was sort of wishing they would cut me. So I did a complete 180 and I was like, that should tell me something. That was sort of my aha moment. I I wasn't 100% sure what caused it, but that really helped me recognize it. Yeah, I think that's a good uh, line of conversation. Like, how do you, what are the warning signs that you're entering the danger zone of burnout? Um, for me, some of those are, I'm typically pretty passionate about my work. And if I don't care anymore, like that tells me something's up. Now I'm also a person who has dealt with depression at different times in my life. So you got to kind of figure out, is this burnout? Is it depression? Is there something else going on? Am I just physically tired? Right. But I mean, there are things you can look for. And that is, you don't care as much about your work anymore. Um, and what, what Brian was saying, sort of the secret hope that <laughs> something external will make a change for you. Right. Um, uh, other other things you guys have recognized. I feel like I'm passionate about my work, but also there's um, like the, just the subject matter. Like I just I just find the the subject matter in networking to be really intellectually engaging. And I have had times uh, in my life when I'm like, you know what, that's just not that interesting to me. If it it's not that interesting anymore. And so um, to me, that's when I've been like, okay, well, I should probably think about something else that is interesting. And then what usually ends up happening is I come back to it, um, you know, in a couple of days or something. And in the meantime, I'm just doing what I do at my job. And, um, so I don't know, maybe I've been closer to burnout than I think, but, but that, that, that's one for me is other than the work, the actual, you know, doing things like the intellectual engagement for me has pretty much always been there. And when it starts to slip, that's when I know that, um, you know, something is probably moving in the wrong direction. So that's interesting because I think for me, 
it's partially boredom with learning new things. That That's kind of an indicator that maybe it's time to do something different. Um, well, learning the same thing in a different way or something like that, right? Like uh, when it's when I've gotten to the point where I'm a little bit bored at, or I'm a lot bored at reading tech books and it's time for me to shift gears and read philosophy or to read privacy or security or branch out because I'm getting, you know, it's getting to that point where it's like, I just don't want to do this anymore. If you, if you don't want to learn, then you don't want to do it, right? That's That's the bottom line. So it's important to recognize, I think those are very good, very good things. Like the physical sickness you talked about, Brian, I think is really important. I have another friend who went through this and he actually went to the doctor and the doctor told him because he was having heart pains and he thought he was having heart problems. And the doctor told him, no, you're just burning out and stressed. And the reality is, is if you don't get out of what you're doing, then you're going to cause yourself heart problems. Um, so I think physical stress, physical pain is a very clear indicator. I think boredom with what you're doing, loss of passion, um, is a very big one, like Yvonne said. And I think being bored with what you're learning and what you're doing, what Tom was talking about, I think those are all really important. I mean, any other signs that you can think of Brian or Yvonne or Tom that like, you might want to pay attention to this and say, bang my head against a wall because I think I'm starting to burn out. Most people don't deal with burnout like Russ and get a PhD in philosophy. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> oh, there's so much to say. <laughs> well, I think so for me, and not everybody does this, but I have an inner monologue that is negative that I have to always manage. And so often, like, I think, at least for me, when I have been tending toward burnout like there's this voice inside that's like you're just lazy like you need to work harder you need to like and and that actually that inner monologue just makes everything worse and so learning to recognize that and to talk back to it for me has been a really important tool to be able to take to go to that inner voice and just tell it to shut up like <laughs> just to not listen to it. And, and some people blessedly don't struggle with that. But I think there's a, a narrative oftentimes, at least in, in the culture I've grown up in, that you just try harder, just push through, just keep at it. And actually, sometimes what you need is not to try harder, but to take a break and to try something else and to give yourself some mental space. And over, you know, and it's different for everybody. For some people, that's physical activity and loud music. Um, for some, for me, it's like reading a novel that is very simple and predictable. That that isn't that doesn't have a lot of drama in it. <laughs> you know, for me, that like pulls me away from the real world and and helps me cope with everything going on. I mean, it's different. Like, you, there is a certain degree of self awareness you need to have, but that the whole, like, I really don't want to be doing this anymore. I should just try harder is not the right answer. Like it's, it's sometimes you just can't muscle your way through it. So are there signs that you can look at in other people? I know what they are for me. Um, my, like you were talking about Yvonne, my, my mood turns dark and it particularly shows up in my humor. My, my sarcasm gets nasty rather than being light and funny. <laughs> You know, it becomes cutting 
And that's not a good thing, but that's, you know, going back to childhood habits that I had to break when I was in my teens and 20s of being a very biting kind of sarcastic person. And I think that in some ways reverting back to your childhood habits is one of those things where you might say to yourself, either I'm depressed or I'm burning out or there's something wrong and I'm hurting and I need to stop and think about what this is that I'm doing. Um, I think, I think, you know, external signs, understanding it when you see it in somebody else, it's going to be person dependent, but still, you know, I think it's important to try to understand. I know for, for me, I went through a period uh, after my, my fourth surprise baby was born that I went through a pretty serious surprise, postpartum surprise, depression. Surprise, <laughs> yeah, surprise, surprise, yeah. surprise. And, and, and I was fine when he was first born, but man, six months in, I really started struggling. And I know my boss, I had a call with him one day and he's like, uh, just, are you okay? <laughs> you know, like he didn't know what to ask. And by then I was at least aware enough to know something was going on. And I was, I, and I was at least able to say, uh, no, <laughs> I'm really not okay. I'm dealing with some stuff. It's not work. Um, but I'm trying to figure it out. But I think, I, I think even just a general, like, are you okay? Like something seems different. Like as a, as a friend or a colleague, sometimes those questions are enough to kind of affirm something going on and up here. And like, it's, it's never wise to like completely diagnose somebody and like to, to figure out, like to think, you know, exactly what's going on with them. But there's also nothing wrong with saying, Hey, like you've been distant. You've been different. Is something going on? Do you need to talk? Like those are all like, Okay, fair game. And if they say no, well, uh, okay, like you, you or, know, we none have a right to push ourselves into anybody else's yeah. life. Or but, I mean, um, to be effective, sometimes to say, "All right, let's go out to lunch. Let's go out to dinner." Right? Don't even say what's wrong. Just say, "I don't even, you know, just I just want to be with you. I just want to hang out with you. Let's just hang out together for a couple of hours and let it come out on its own, perhaps." Um, is I think of another very effective technique that's actually been used on me in the past and I've used on other people. So yeah, I think that's, those are all important things. So yeah, I think um, in, in the technology professions, we often discount the human element of our lives and work, whereas in other lines of work, social work, nursing, any kind of job teaching, that's very people centric. We are not so people centric. And so these things that we can't uh, measure as well, we tend to just ignore. And I think that's why burnout becomes such a problem. Um, and and so I, I think just this push to not ignore the people part, like that's, that's super yeah, important. Yeah, I think uh, something that's uh, pretty important too on the subject of, you know, supporting your peers when they have problems um, is, you know, a lot of times our work, most times our work depends on someone else also doing their part. And um, if they, if people aren't performing, I certainly have gone through times in my life when I was too judgmental about someone else's performance. Well, you know, why can't you do this? This is a simple task. Why isn't, you know, you know, that sort of thing in my mind. Um, I think it's, I think it's really important to, in your own head, um, even if it doesn't affect how you speak to someone, but in your own head, just giving people a minute, um, regardless of whether they're struggling, but, but even, but if they are, it's even more important is, you know, if that person doesn't perform and I can't do my part, there's nothing I can do about it. I don't need to get upset about it because it, when you think those things about people, it comes out in your interactions with them. You never know how much you could be piling onto somebody just by thinking in your own head, this person isn't performing very well. 
and it doesn't doesn't help them perform better for you to be thinking ill of them. And that's something that I think is is helpful. Well, and especially when there's a change in the level of their performance, right? Like they were a stellar contributor and now something's going on. I mean, some people are just super private, you know, and they've got something going on that they can't or won't or don't want to talk about. And um, yeah, giving people space is super important and not and not piling on. So now we've, we've talked a lot about um, kind of maybe how to recognize uh, burnout. So like, so you wake up one day and you're like, oh, there's something going on. Like, wh- what what do you do? Brian, I mean, for, for you, you've talked about going through this fairly recently. Like, what 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 did you do? Uh, what what was positive? What was negative? What What did you learn through that process? I mean, this time what I did was I basically uh, quit my job and came home. And now I'm trying to find another one. So dealing with that right now. But what I've done in the past is I've been on a lot of help desks and a lot of uh, knocks and none of them are really great. I mean, you're the entry level of the uh, the IT world and that's a whole podcast in itself on uh, why that's not always wonderful. And so I had a lot of burnout, but I wasn't in the position where I could uh, leave the job. So what I would do is I would try and study for certifications or go to conferences or go to meetups uh, and try and energize myself that way, the studying for certs so I could get another job and hopefully improve myself and the going to conferences and meetups to sort of see what else interesting is there out there because I keep calling the ISP because the internet went down on this uh, place on the other side of the country that we're monitoring. And that really isn't that interesting the first time. The 27th time is really not that interesting. So yeah, find out what else interesting is there and talk to other people. Sure. And, and I want to, I do want to highlight that sometimes like stepping out of a negative situation is the right move. Um, I know I've I've had to do that, and I've talked with peers uh, who are in similar organizations who are like this this place is toxic, <laughs> you know. Like I just have to have to do something different, and sometimes that absolutely is the case. Um, that that the whole environment's negative, and whether whether you're in your situation because you made some not so great choices early on, or just because the whole place is toxic, like sometimes a move is absolutely necessary. Um, And other times there are things you can do to mitigate, you know, either with hobbies or with uh, peers or with things like that. But I think, um, I know one of the things that I believed early on in my career was that you just stuck it out and made it work. And sometimes, sometimes it is the right move. Sometimes it's not. And, and I think um, having a mentor, having somebody who's more experienced, who's been around the block to go, yes, this is normal. You need to push through or no, this is not normal. You need to find something else. All of those are valid approaches. So another thing I think that is really important in here is this aspect of community and community outside of your workplace, but professional community outside your workplace. Um, now for me, you know, I have a lot of professional community outside the workplace in the networking world and in the theological world. So I'm doubly blessed in having lots of community and just having friends 
uh, that are very helpful. And I think this actually helps prevent burnout. So this goes back to the isolation thing Yvonne was talking about in the very first place. Um, and being separated from your from your peeps, separated from your community uh, physically and emotionally is a very big deal. But that also means that when you are burned out, one thing that you can do is you can go back and put yourself back into community intentionally and let that community be there. Like Yvonne, you said some people are quiet and won't talk about it. Well, I'm just going to tell you, you're not doing yourself any favors. That's just, this is true. you know, open up and talk to somebody. Well, I know for me, like during, during this pandemic, especially since, you know, no business travel, some of us really like look to professional conferences, especially if we are in a, um, a, a pretty pathological organization. We enjoy those conferences where we get together with peers who care about what they do the way we do. Um, and all of that has, has been non-existent this year. And I know, Brian, when you were overseas, it was a, it was a similar circumstance where you couldn't do those things. But for me, I've developed some deeper online relationships that have it's it's happened organically and slowly over this year that have been a sounding board and have been there to help keep me sane emails with friends that are hours away that I don't get to see very often or slack chats or twitter dm threads i mean there there are ways to do that and not hole up in your little world but a lot of the built-in mechanisms that a lot of us had have been non-existent and we've been dealing with added stress of fear of our health, fear of the political climate, fear of for our children or just kids being around all the time and not getting a break. I think we maybe have underestimated the, uh, the impact of all that. And it's still important. Like maybe you don't need to write that extra blog post, or maybe it's not the time to get that extra cert and all of that. Like it's really okay to, to let off the gas. And for a lot of us, we just need to give ourselves permission to do that. And that's the biggest hurdle we have to overcome. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Cool. So Brian, any other experience points? I mean, now that you're looking for another job, have you thought about how you're intending to prevent this from happening in the future other than what we've talked about? Uh, are you um, thinking adjacent? Are you thinking career change? What are you thinking? I just have been thinking what aspects of certain jobs that I like and which ones I don't and try and, I mean, no job is going to be perfect, but try and stack more on the side of things that I like than things that I don't. So, And there's a, I have a book recommendation. Um, it's called What Color Is My Parachute? It's, it's a very good practical book that walks you through, you know, what are the things that I've enjoyed? What did I like as a kid? What are, what are the times that I've felt really engaged in my work. What do I want to do? Like, what's my life's purpose? What's my professional purpose? And it walks you through this very prescriptive journey to be introspective about those kinds of things and document and then figure out where that fits in a work in the workplace. Um, it's something that I really started several months ago working through and was really enlightening for me and helped me clarify what, what am I here for anyway? And, and there's something that every now and then when I start feeling purposeless, um, I return to those notes and go, oh, yeah, this is what I said mattered to me. And this is why I do what I do. And so for me personally, um, one of the things that really gives me meaning and purpose is deep, meaningful one on one relationships that I develop through work. So that when I'm feeling like 
I'm not accomplishing anything, I can look back and go, oh, well, there's this relationship that matters and there's this relationship that matters and I'm doing this. There's more purpose to what I do other than just technology things. Um, and it's different for everybody, but you can write that down and think through it and then refer back to it and either go, oh yeah, I am doing that and I'm just in a lull or maybe I need a course or correct. But you have to know what the thing is that you're trying to accomplish um, so that you can kind of hold that up as a standard and measure against it. So anyway, uh, what color is my parachute? I highly recommend it. It's a, it's a great personal tool to help you figure out what makes sense. And they're not even paying me. I'm not getting any money for that ad. <laughs> oh my goodness. I think we ought to call them. But they should. They should. That's exactly right. You need to put a copy under your Christmas tree. That's what you need to do that you have right there. Hey, wait a minute. Where's the bow or the star on that Christmas tree? I'm really kind of worried about this. There thing. is. It's It's just so for those of you and all of you who can't see. <laughs> you part are. of keeping Yvonne sane through the pandemic has been living things, pretty flowers. And so I have a live, small, little miniature Christmas tree behind me now that I will plant in the yard if it survives the winter. And it makes me happy. So living things just, you know a few bucks and if doing that yeah. makes me happy i'm gonna do it's it it's just the living things thing that gets me <laughs> because all of the children are not in there, that's right, right? that's all what i was gonna say not like you don't have any living things in your house or anything you bought i'm sorry but you know it's, it's new for me okay like that's not been like it's new the kids are old they've been around for a few years eh, whatever and you know what? They often don't smell good and they often don't look good. So, and, you know, they're ratty hair and like, you know, they stink and they make messes. My beautiful tree here, all I got to do is pour a cup of water on it. So, wow. it works, guys. Wow. So, I mean, that's another thing too, by the way, is that when I get stressed out or when I start feeling like I'm burning out or whatever it is, one thing I like to do is to do something completely different. Like, um, I used to shoot competitively. I, I haven't in a long time because of the PhD. And I used to do gunsmithing work. But, I mean, just doing things that with your hands. Like, going over and, I don't know, Yvonne's building a she shed in her backyard. I think she's doing it by herself. But anyway... <laughs> No, no. I'll ship you my framing nailer if you would like to borrow it. But yeah, no. We have purchased a pre-built she shed, oh, and I have okay. a very willing husband who is going to help me finish it out. But yeah, we will be doing a lot of the work ourselves, and I'm super excited because I'm picking out flooring and walls and furniture. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, I mean, making a change. A yeah, um, do a project right that's not related to your work. I think is a very important stress reliever, and that's actually something you can do when you're overseas or when you're separated from everybody too. Right? You could. Um, when I was in the Air Force. When we were deployed, we would do things like build houses, you know, for the local population, whatever it was. We'd go to Habitat for Humanity and ask them if they needed help building a house. And we'd all jump off on a day and go help build a house, you know, grab the framing nailer and saws and go do something. Yeah, I was uh, um, I, actually that brings up a point I, I'm, I feel pretty passionate about. If you need something else to do and there's nothing like you're like, I don't, I'm not into woodwork. I don't care about yard work. Like there's something that will be pretty much universally appealing and that's uh, service to other people. And there are, you know, various ways to do it, but I can, I feel comfortable saying to anybody who's listening to this, if you go serve somebody else, you, you will feel better. Like I, I, no one's ever going to come back to me and say, I went and helped somebody out. Now I feel terrible. So I, I'm completely 
comfortable saying that as a universal thing, you'll feel better if you go serve. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. So, Tom, where can people get in touch with you if they want to? Or, um, you know, since you don't, your micro blog, since you don't oh. have a real one. <laughs> At least you're getting creative <laughs> with the blog berating. <laughs> uh, LinkedIn and uh, Twitter, uh, Tom Ammon. Okay. Yvonne. Yeah, on Twitter at Sharp Network. I'm on LinkedIn as well. Um, soon to be doing some writing again. If I can ever put two thoughts together on paper, it's eligible. <laughs> <laughs> oh my, oh my. How many head shows are we going to close with those statements before we actually see some blog posts? <laughs> well, so I know this will release later, but it is Thanksgiving weekend and our plans have changed. We are not going to be uh, doing as much as we had hoped to be doing. Um, maybe I can get something polished up and out before this thing publishes. We'll see. Okay, awesome. And Brian, any place people can follow you, talk to you, you don't blog, I know yet, but, or do you? I don't know. I do have a blog. I haven't published in several years. Okay. I think the latest blog post is uh, my favorite podcast, so I might have to update that. Since, <laughs> uh, since the last time I updated it was a few years ago before this show even existed. <laughs> uh, I'm on Twitter. I never... I try not to post anything because I don't want to say anything that'll uh, upset anybody. And that's not possible right now. <laughs> uh, so I'm just a voyeur on Twitter and uh, I'm on, I'm very active on LinkedIn. So that would be the best place to find me. Okay. Awesome. I'm Russ White. You can find me at rule11.tech here at the hedge, hanging out with my sis and Tom and whoever happens to come along to hang out at the hedge and have a, Nice discussion with us. Thanks for joining us for this episode of The Hedge, and we'll catch you next time. Subscribe to The Hedge on your favorite podcast service or follow along at rule11.tech.